Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, Solana 101. What is it? What does it do? And how does it work? Peter Thiel gives a warning about Bitcoin, and I'm running for Congress. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, April 8th, 2021. We have a big show for you today. We're going to get straight into it, but I don't think we could have passed up that I said that I'm running for Congress. Yep, it's true. Ohio 16, or wherever they're going to redistrict this area, I'm running for Congress in Ohio. And right now it's Ohio 16. I'm running as a blockchain advocate. I think that we need more blockchain advocates in Washington to help push this technology and innovation forward. Kind of like the internet. Imagine if people were lobbying and legislating against the internet. We wouldn't have the internet as we have it now. But people in Washington that understand the internet might have prevented a lot of these privacy issues. So I want to go into Washington as somebody who understands blockchain tech to help push the technology through, to help innovation, and also understand the problems with it to make sure that it's integrated in our lives the best it can be. So if you know me from Crypto 101, this show or anywhere, go to the show notes, DemerForCongress.com. You can click on the link or you can just go to DemerForCongress.com and show your support. <laughs> to be a viable candidate, we need support. So please support my candidacy for Congress and have blockchain advocates in Washington. Now to those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 1130 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $57,902 up 1.8% from yesterday. Ethereum's in the number two spot at $2,048.92, up 1.9%. Binance Coin, BNB in the number three spot at 418.80, up almost 9% in 24. Tether, number four spot, in XRP, 95.4 cents, down 1.3%. Cardano's rounding it off in the number six spot, $1.22, up almost a percent. Total market cap, we're at $1.95 trillion with a BTC dominance of 55.3%. And in our main conversation today, I talked to Anatoly Yakovanko, president of the Solana Foundation, and he's going to give us a 101 on their project. Hey, thanks for having me. 100%. Look, Solana, top 20 coin, came out of nowhere. Well, it didn't come out of nowhere, but it moved up the ranks pretty quick. I need to know what this is. Can you give me a 101 and a little maybe background? How to start? Um we built a high-performance layer one from scratch. Basically, nothing from previous Ethereum or you know any other previous layer one was reused. Um, and you know, my background and most of the team were former Qualcomm folks. The the, the folks that build CDMA, LTE, you know, that thing that you hold in your hand, it probably has tech that we worked on. We are just relentlessly focused on making the the cheapest, fastest possible blockchain. And, and when did Solana start? This was. Um, I had this, you know, two coffees and a beer in like late 2017. And I had this kind of like, I was staying up till 4 a.m. because I had this realization that you can encode passage of time as data. And that was the, that was the start of Solana. Um, the idea that if you have a source of time that's outside of consensus, outside of the network, 
You know, this, there's no like mathematical definition of time. Einstein's equations work in both directions. So if you have a, something that actually represents time, uh, it's a pretty powerful tool for optimization. This is really the foundation of all radio protocols. Like the 2G networks literally called time division multiple access. So that when I when I knew I had that missing piece, I would kind of really couldn't sleep for a week. And that was the the foundation of Solana. Okay, first of all, I want to say thank you very much for working at Qualcomm and making my life a lot better. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> if it's better actually, but it it I it's a lot more fun. I, I can tell you that. Um Yeah, we're yeah, we could at least talk to each other, right? Like for the last year. Otherwise, where would where would we be? At? <laughs> exactly. So I I appreciate that. Time division multiple access. I'm sorry, bro. You got you got to got to dumb this down. What okay. does that mean? Imagine first radio towers were put up. Two radio things transmit at the same time or with the same frequency. You get noise because radio interferes in the air. Same thing happens in blockchains. Two block producers produce a block at the same time. You get a fork. So that's a noisy state for the network because the network doesn't know what the hell the, the actual final state is. So you can, if you had a source of time outside of consensus, you can schedule block producers exactly the same way how you schedule radio towers in a radio network. So we literally like, once I had that light bulb come off in my head, oh, I've got a source of time that's trustless, that can't be manipulated by anybody in the network. You can literally take the exact same stuff we worked at Qualcomm for 20 years and apply it here. Um, that's why I couldn't sleep <laughs> for like a week. Yeah, so that was that was the start of it. So, so now let's just let's go into what does Solana do? You know, think of it as Ethereum, but uh, multi-threaded and really, really optimized. So there's no sharding, there's no uh, subcommittees. It's one giant, massively replicated state machine. Um, and the ultimate goal for us is this idea that um, if you optimize these networks at the core, what you're optimizing is for censorship resistance, the minimum set of nodes that are required to halt the network. What is that smallest possible group that can break everything? Um, because we've made this thing much, much faster, that group can be much, much larger. So like one of our networks, TDS, uh, which is kind of our test net where we, um, you know, we stress test our validators, that has over a thousand validators, the stake distribution there, the minimum set of nodes to break it is larger than an ETH2 shard. So it's over 200. Mm. So a single Ethereum shard is smaller than the minimum set of nodes that can break Solana and TDS. So we, we've basically scaled it beyond, I think, what anybody expected. Um, when you look at like Vitalik's conversations about sharding, he's talking about limits of these single sharded networks to be somewhere between 10 to 100 nodes. Well, we're already at 1,000. <laughs> um, the, why, why any of this stuff matters is that if you have true censorship resistance and high performance, then you're effectively building a super connected world. There's no intermediaries. Everybody with a public key, right, with, with a bit of cryptography is super connected to everybody else because there's nobody that can stop any messages going between any of those two people. So, um, so what are we talking about when it comes to performance? What does high performance mean? Are we, are we talking about TPS? Are we talking about... both? Both, yeah, so TPS and latency. So, you know, cell phones both optimize for bandwidth and how quickly messages get relayed. So that we're, we're kind of focused on both of those things. Our block times are 400 milliseconds. Under like good conditions, you can get a confirmed notification in like one to two seconds from a, from a trade. Um, and the, because we're scaling everything with cores, with GPUs, 
our TPS capacity is pretty high. So when we did our test at launch, it was about 50,000 TPS. Wow. Um, our validated, but this was, this is literally just due to hardware, right? Like, so since a, a year ago, our validators that are like super into like PC building, performance optimizations, they have built systems that can do 100,000 TPS. And then like last week, somebody did a 200,000 TPS system. Wow. So for, for that to actually be impactful in the network, I mean, we need to get that particular set of hardware deployed to, you know, basically all thousand validators. Um, and we can do that when there's demand for it. So, you know, one of the use cases that we have that's running on, on Solana is Serum, which is a central limit order book style exchange. Um, if you look at like NASDAQ, they handle half a million messages per second. Vast majority of those are canceled messages. This is how central limit order books work. This is how they do price discovery. This is how everybody maintains, you know, capital efficiency. Um, so that's what's how what Serum does. Majority of the messages they transmit are, you know, cancel messages, like move my price around. Um, if the volumes there grow to, com to compete with Binance, so will the number of messages. And that's when, when we're going to need the hardware. So this goes to, I think, a natural question of where do you think this is going to go? And I want to ask this and I want to frame this around. There's plenty of platforms. There's Ethereum, there's Binance Spar Chain, there's Zillica, there's, uh, I, I don't know what, Cardano, there's so, all kinds of crap. There's, uh, you know, yeah. so how do you kind of cut through all of that and make this a thing? Because there's a lot of things out there. Yeah, yeah. So we're like... The core of what we're building is this idea of the super connected world and censorship resistance. Every optimization we make allows us to grow that set. Every time hardware improves, it allows us to grow that set. And that idea is extremely powerful because when you have 8 billion people that are all super connected, there's no moats, there's no middlemen. You literally have the, the people that want to, you know, like do stuff and the value producers all connected directly with each other without anybody taking a few percentage points and everything in the middle, right? There's no, there's no $12 a month bank fees there. <laughs> that, that, that's like the, that's the world that we're working for. So the kind of community that we built was around that idea, but achieving it with, you know, blood, sweat and tears, optimizations, hardware, building out this network at a global way. The folks that are participating in this are from, you know, at this point, I think from like every different uh, continent outside of Antarctica and like they're running validators in Russia inside the Great Firewall in China, right? Like, so that, <laughs> that to me is that like that future of a super connected world, it needs this ridiculously censorship resistant network. That, that level of censorship resistance needs to be so high that like, you know, at a gut level, you don't even worry about it. You know, I don't know what that number is, right? Right now, like that minimum set on TDS is 200. We need to get mainnet to a level where it's like three, 4,000 validators in that minimum set that can shut down the network. And then folks like engineers, you know, like chief security officer at Bank of America can look at it and a gut level understand no one's ever going to screw with, with anything on, in, this, in this universal computer. So I can then put my customers here. I can start building these like next generation banks. It's probably not going to be them. It's going to be a startup that sees that opportunity. And it's like, I can, I can basically take over all the business that Bank of America has by using this network. And I have the same security guarantees, if not higher. 
can you just talk about essential strip resistance yeah. really quick? And you, and you did a little bit, but I actually want to go about a censorship resistant um, future. Let's just say hypothetical situation. Solana cuts through all this mess. It, banks and the new startups are using Solana. What does that look like? Because I, I think that when we think about censorship, censorship is a broad word with a lot of different definitions, depending on where it's applied in, 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 in what yeah. What context are you saying censorship resistant? Um, it's literally like the the more the lowest possible hardware level context. Imagine everybody in the world had a radio that cannot be shut down, right? It cannot be jammed, and they could transmit with infinite power to everyone else. So that means that we're all super connected, right? I can send my message to everyone else in the world, and I, it's guaranteed to arrive, right? And if I have a bit of cryptography, that message can carry a lot of information and guarantees saying that like, hey, I'm Anatoly, I want to connect with you or I want to go into a smart contract and AMM and pull their funds together or simply I want to like talk to you in a social network, right? Without anybody shutting it down. If we have that world, then there's no intermediaries and even things like ad-based social networks go away because we can have a community of creators that are just super connected. They can all talk to each other, right? They can create value in that group. People can participate in that group. And there's no need for a central party like Facebook to mine their data, shove them information that nobody wants and like basically scrape scrape your identity, right? Like for, for profit, all that goes away. Um, so that's the world that I think we will get to. And, you know, there's still going to be humans involved. It's still going to be like a bunch of stuff that happens. It's bad. You see it on Ethereum all the time. But I think in the long term, you will see things like Facebook, like Google, that whose business models are based around taking your information and, and mining it kind of go away. And you'll see like a truly creator to consumer connected world. How do you think, Liz, last question, first of all, thank you very much for your time so far. Um, how, where do you think Solana has to go to be able to be the platform for the world that you just described? Look, you just said that NASDAQ is working with 500,000 uh, transactions per second. Um, you're talking about social media. We're talking about, that's 8 billion people you just mentioned in the world. And by the time this is actually, you know, uh, mainstream, yeah. we're going to have nine. How big do you have to scale this? Uh, so the way I think of it is, is like Google serves about 350,000 ads per second. Um, that, that's like, that's basically all of humanity, right? Like is, is like using a single network like Google and the total amount of stuff that happens in the world right now is maybe two Google's worth. Like Google is like the 80% and then 20% covers the rest of it. Right. Like, so we need to get to two Google's worth. Um, and the hardware, is that possible? That, yeah. 700,000 TPS can fit into one gigabit pipe. So if that's the most best case scenario, uh, 4X it because, you know, everything's going to suck and we'll need 4X the amount of hardware. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's, maybe it's four gigabits, right? But that's already available at like everywhere in the world, right? Right now, like 5G networks, the standard is, you know, a train moving in China and a, somebody driving in San Francisco, they, need, they can maintain one gigabit real-time communication between both of those moving targets. So we kind of, we're entering a world where I think bandwidth for all the stuff that we do today will be unlimited. There's obviously going to be stuff that sucks it up, you know, six degrees of freedom, real-time video, you know, whatever, whatever people want, right? Like 
people will use it because it's cheap enough um, for all the all the kind of level like financial stuff, everything that we've been doing, you know, in the 80s and and like 90s and even the aughts should be free. Like it should basically run the cost of almost nothing. Um, it, it's going to be like, you know, noise compared to everything else that's going to be built in the next 10 years. Anatoly Yakovenko, president of the Solana Foundation. Thank you very much for coming on the show, giving us a 101 on Solana and much more. And one, I want to say, uh, I appreciate you uh, having a couple beers and having these great ideas because I think beer and great ideas go hand in hand. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, two beers and a coffee, man. That, that's the right mixture. <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right, take care. And in today's headlines... Fidelity's head of digital assets, Tom Jessup, believes that institutional adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets is set to accelerate and has created a tipping point for cryptocurrency. He argues that near zero interest rates and easy money policies are driving investors to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. He said that Bitcoin, the flagship cryptocurrency, could not only achieve mainstream adoption, but also may be considered a facilitator for future global trade. Bullish, bullish. According to a new survey by investment bank Piper Sandler, 9% of U.S. teenagers say they have traded cryptocurrencies. Of those who said they traded in cryptocurrencies, 81% were male. We need to close the gap. But it's good that cryptocurrency is being traded. I don't know. Is it right that teenagers are trading cryptocurrency? I'm not too sure. And how are they doing that? Must be DEXs. Anyway, whatever you do, whatever your age is, if you're trading cryptocurrency, be careful. Peter Thiel, PayPal's founder, in a seminar on big tech in China, he said that China's approach to its own cryptocurrency should concern America. He said this in quote, and if you didn't see this, go to the show notes, click on the link, and watch it for yourself. But this is brilliant. I never thought about this. He said this in quote, even though I'm sort of a pro-crypto, pro-Bitcoin maximalist, I do wonder if at this point, Bitcoin should also be thought of as part of a Chinese financial weapon against the United States, where it threatens fiat money, but especially threatens the U.S. dollar. End quote. He says much more than this. I want you to watch for yourself. But in general, he's saying that is Bitcoin and its popularity and its leverage, even though it's supposed to be a hedge against the financial system and everybody's talking about the government financial system. And a lot of times when we're talking about the Americans, it's American centric, the U.S. financial system, a hedge against it. uh, Is it actually being used as a weapon now against us? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I want to think about that a little bit more. It seems a little fuddy. But he is a pro-Bitcoin person. He did put a lot of money into you know, building this out. He is a sponsor of Ethereum and Vitalik Buterin through the Teal Foundation. Hmm. Anyway, we will return to this and have this discussion. And finally, Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback and seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady is launching an NFT platform called Autograph, according to CNN. He's got executives from Apple, DraftKings, Spotify, Lionsgate, and more as advisors for this project. NFTs, they're not stopping. And now Tom Brady is in the mix. Could we see something like NBA Top Shots come from Tom Brady? Like NFL Top Shots? NFL Huddle? Ooh, NFL Huddle. NFTs. Launched on Autograph. Interesting. Maybe. Let's see. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Don't forget to go to Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Send me an email. And also, please don't forget to go to DemerForCongress.com and show your support. We need blockchain advocates in Washington. Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.